Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. The scripture for our message, the gospel lesson, which we just heard. Dear friends in Christ, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Passover and into the temple of God. See a problem there? The important question we might want to answer right from the start. Why in the world would Jesus, God the Son, go to God's temple to worship God? Who in the world was there for him to worship, right? And you know the answer to that question. Has to have something to do with the two natures of Jesus, divine and human. And it was Martin Luther who warned us never to think of the two natures of Jesus so crudely like two boards nailed together by a carpenter. So there's a, a, a God half and a human half. They're perfectly, absolutely joined. So just think about that a second. The Bible tells us God sent his son, born as a human being, born under God's law, including remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And Jesus did exactly that for us, perfectly desiring, devoted to the Lord and his word, both at the temple in Jerusalem and weekly in the synagogue. And as a perfect human being, he was not just going through the motions. In fact, think of it a second. As in the person of Jesus, God was actually feeling perfect human excitement for God. Perfect human devotion to God, perfect human worship of God. It says, zeal for your house will consume me. So is God's house important? Far more than you or I could ever imagine. And then I'm sure you recall Jesus' words. At 12 years old, his first trip for the Passover, after he was in the temple courts talking to the experts in God's word, and he told his parents, did you not know I must be about my father's business? And now in John 2, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus is back in those same temple courts celebrating the Passover. He's perfectly about his father's business because the Passover was that beautiful festival God ordained to remind his people of the work of the Messiah. Remember, God commanded his people to celebrate this event and remember how God delivered them from slavery in Egypt and saved the lives of the faithful by the blood of the Lamb. And here's the Lamb of God. In the Passover, for the, in the temple, for the very festival that pictured and prophesied all of his work. 
and what did he find? He found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Realize, these merchants were really providing an important service. Because for the festival, Jewish people from across the Mediterranean were traveling to Jerusalem to celebrate. And so coming from many different nations, they'd have to find places to buy the animals for sacrifice. They came with foreign currency. They had to be able to exchange the foreign currency so that they could actually buy the animals or make the temple offering. But the problem was, of course, that ease and greed moved these merchants and money changers from their places out on the streets right into the courts of God's temple. They turned it into a street fair, a livestock auction with all the accompanying sounds and smells. It must have been horribly disgusting and distracting. But worse yet, this was business as usual at God's temple. And no one seemed to care. Not the worshipers, not the temple leaders. No one seemed to care except Jesus. He knew that this was his heavenly father's house. This was the symbol of God's presence with his people. This is where God's people came to confess their sins. This is where God's people came to learn of his mercy and his forgiveness. And on top of that, the very sinners for whom Jesus had come to die were the ones who were trashing God's house. And Jesus was angry, not just because his feelings were hurt somehow, he was angry with a divine, righteous anger. And we all understand that the, diff the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. And Jesus was not apathetic about God's house. He cared intensely for this place where sinners could come and find and know God's forgiveness and salvation. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Now, given the fact that you didn't have to pass a livestock sale on the way into church. Given the fact you didn't see money changers in the narthex, we might want to start patting ourselves on the back that we're not doing what Jesus is talking about. But of course, we'd be wrong. He's zealous that worship here in our church should always be done in a way 
that focuses clearly on him, clearly on our sins and God's mercy, that there's nothing here that distracts us from focusing on the Father's saving word and Jesus' work. So here, you and I make offerings to the Lord. And we keep fundraising schemes as far away from the church as we can because it confuses our motivation, right? And your pastor... I'm sure that he encourages you regularly to be good citizens, serving your neighbors, serving your community. And we leave politics to the politicians outside of the church. But please don't think that this building or God's temple is all that Jesus is talking about in this text. He means more than church. Yes, church is good, but so much more than just this building or this destination or this location or this gathering of people. This is what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is just as serious and zealous about this temple right here. About every one of these temples sitting here in this church. And he describes our hypocrisy in this way. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I mean, right now, our lips are speaking and singing all the right stuff. We are absolutely in the right location. But where's my heart? Where's your heart? I, I can't be your thought police. But if you're anything like me, I know how easily sin creeps into this temple. And even does so when I'm right here in God's house, coveting someone else's perfect spouse or perfect family, justifying rather than confessing a personal grudge or sin that I love to cling to, feeling disgust rather than pity for the, the people we know should be here but aren't. And the list can go on and on. And that doesn't even include all the good stuff that can distract us from devoted and zealous worship and attention to God's word. 
you have any worries right now for your own finances or your health or your family? Those aren't bad things. Are you distracted by the basketball game you want to watch this afternoon or that really great project at home you really want to finish? Did you ever get distracted by that roast that you know is in the oven for dinner at noon? Jesus takes his whip and he says to you and me, get these out of here. And how will we respond to Jesus' rebuke? Will we respond to hate with hatred? With indignation like these people who heard and saw Jesus and said, prove to us what authority you have to say such things. Maybe our indignation is a little subtler. We say, Jesus, do you think I'm perfect? Jesus, who do you think you are? The thought police? Who do you think you are? God? Well, we don't have to answer that, right? In his perfect omniscience, he knows. And he answered even those people who attacked him in the temple. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The temple he had spoken of was his body. And sadly, these Jewish worshipers failed to understand what Jesus meant. They were all hung up on that building in Jerusalem that had taken 46 years to complete under the King Herod's. And Jesus knew in that same divine omniscience, which knows everything, that their stubbornness and their pride would destroy the temple of God, not the building, which was a symbol of God's presence with his people, but the body of Jesus the actual presence of God himself on earth with his people. And in the same sinful pride, you and I can reject his authority, especially when it strikes so close to home, doesn't it? And the sins of God's people in Jerusalem and the sins of God's people right here in this church destroy God's temple, that is, Jesus himself. God himself on this earth. We have to let one of our brothers in the faith explain to us what church and what true religion is all about. King David said it 3,000 years ago. He said to God, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, O God, will not despise. So in sincere repentance, we confess our sins of distraction from 
and disregard for God's true church. This place where sinners, every one of us, can meet our gracious and saving God. The very temple of God, Jesus himself, God's presence among his people. And in faith, we always look to Jesus, our perfect substitute, who was always happy to go to the house of God, whether that was the temple in Jerusalem on the appointed feasts or whether that was the synagogue every Saturday. In absolute zeal and sincerity, he was willing to face our punishment for dishonoring God. And then Jesus passed through death, even after they destroyed the temple, his temple, and he passed through death and returned to assure us that we are truly forgiven. And you notice the effect of all of this on Jesus' people and his disciples? The scripture says so simply in, in verse 17, when they saw Jesus' zeal for God's house, they recognized him as the Messiah promised in the scripture. And then they put all of this together, all of God's words together, that powerful, saving, faith-giving word, and we're told that after Jesus' resurrection, they recalled his promise and they believed the scripture and the words Jesus had spoken. Finally, it's more than church. It's all about this. This place where we meet the Savior, where we're assured of the truth of his word, this place where we're comforted by his forgiveness and his salvation. Amen.